This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. The very best in sports talk for today, a Tuesday where the nation reacts to Clemson's demolition of Alabama last night in the national championship game. DA with you, and we begin in Charlotte on WFNZ 102.5, where Chris McClain on the Mac attack discusses whether this win, this championship, and the thorough dismantling of Alabama is better and different than its first championship two years ago with Deshaun Watson against the same tied team. I mean, it's just unbelievable what Dabo is building, man. And if you're a Clemson Tiger fan, congratulations. Y'all have to freaking be ecstatic. This is the first title was great bone for Clemson, I'm sure. This title, the way it was done in a demonstrative fashion, it was done against that team, who, by the way, how many people this year tried to tell us that was Nick Saban's best team? Because of the dominant offense, because of the explosiveness their offense had. And for Clemson to do that to that version of Nick Saban's team, if you're a Tiger fan and you think you're the best program in college football, you have a very strong case right now. At the very least, it's 1-1A one one with Bama and Clemson. They're code number ones at the very least. Well, what did we say yesterday, Mike? That was a such a legacy game for Dabo to get two national titles. One is great. Once you get to two, you're getting to completely different levels. And also, if Bama goes up three to one in that series, in this uh, playoff series they're playing here, this best of seven, <laughs> if Bama goes up three to one, then the Clemson case for being better and being, it doesn't have the same merit. But tied at two in the way they won, yeah. not just yeah. tying it at two, if they won on a field goal, it'd be one thing to completely dominate and embarrass and straight up bamboozle. Is that the right word? Bamboozle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hit on a word there, huh? To straight up bamboozle Tua and Saban was a masterful performance. It was, man. That was like Nebraska over Florida in 1996. It was amazing. It really was. But Florida, no one will no one will see that team as some sort of great right. team. This Bama team was 14-0 coming in out of the vaunted SEC. And uh, it was Alabama with a great defense, but now finally an explosive pass game. We all said those things. You kept waiting for Bama to make that run, almost like a great college basketball team that at some point, like Carolina or Duke, they're going to make a run at some point. You kept waiting maybe for Bama to make that run and get it closer. And in the second half, Justin Ross, as you said, started grabbing one-handed balls out of the air. It seemed like everything that had to go Clemson's way, especially in the second half to put it away, absolutely went their way. Well, you know, Alabama moved the ball. But Clemson four times at their own 22 or inside or inside their own 22 made stops. And on those four possessions, Alabama had three points. That's it. So and in the second half, it was three straight possessions in the second half where Alabama moved it to Clemson's 22 or beyond and ended up getting stopped, including the absurd fake field goal call. That was so obvious, by the way. 
We know that your kicker's terrible and you don't trust him. You're down by 15 points in the third quarter. And uh, you um, uh, and, and Clemson is in field goal safe. They are not in a normal field goal block type. type. They are. They have four or five guys back ready to defend a play. And then you run a play where the kicker is the lead blocker. And you go right up the gut trying to get six yards. That was just pathetic, brutal coaching. And I thought Nick Saban and his staff were bad last night. I thought they were so severely outcoached. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think it's the case. I thought Nick Saban literally panicked multiple times in this game, including that uh, fake field goal situation. I thought Nick Saban was out of sorts. Even when he went for it and they got it at their own 35, you could tell he was freaking out. He was like, we can't give this ball back to Clemson. I can't stop him. Then you had a situation at the end of the first half where Nick Saban was scared to call timeout on third and four and try to get the first down and try to go down and score. He's never been like that this year with Tua. But Tua already had two picks, was confused by Venable's defense, and Saban got scared. And it doesn't happen often, Bone. And that's the crazy thing about this the fake field goal seemed like a fear-based oh we can't just kick a field goal here we can't stop Clemson and it was just amazing to see him with Clemson inside his head the way they were last night the first is always the sweetest but I see what he's saying here the way that Clemson defeated Alabama was so thorough was so dominant was so complete that it has to be even more satisfying than watching Watson go down the field, Hunter Renfro, in the closing seconds of that game a couple of years ago. This one was truly an exclamation point. This one was truly a statement. And because of the reputation of Alabama, to demolish them, to dismantle them, to just annihilate them from start to finish, really has to be a different feeling if you're a Clemson fan you know, if you're a if you're a team and you win a championship, it's great when it's a blowout because that just gives you the entire game to celebrate. You don't have to be on pins and needles. You don't have to chew off your fingernails. So in this case, it was a coronation for nearly three hours. And for that reason, yeah, Clemson fans really must have enjoyed that one last night. So now the Tigers have won two out of three championships. They've been to the final four the last four years. They played for the national championship three over the last four years and won two of the last three. And so with multiple championships and this run of the college football playoff era, can we call Clemson a dynasty? G-Mac and Lonzo debating this on ESPN Upstate in South Carolina. They did hand Nick Saban his worst loss in 12 years. And so the question is going to come up. Well, Dabo Sweeney has addressed that question today. And he said at his Tuesday morning news conference this morning. Yes, he had another one. Last night's not enough. Anyway, this morning, Dabo said, we're as good of a program as there is out there, but we are a long way from a dynasty. I'm glad he said that. I don't know if I uh, am surprised he said that. Maybe just slightly. What but I'm do you, glad he uh, said but that. What do, I think it depends on what you consider a dynasty in sports. I mean, is do you two, have to, two's not a dynasty. So it has to be championships. It can't be yeah. uh, can't be domination of your division no, or whatever. No, 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 no. That's a division dynasty. <laughs> no, no. You've got to win it all, and you got to win it all a bunch. You know, we can debate what a bunch is. 
Uh, Dabo said, I think from a dynasty standpoint, Alabama is in a category of their own. Now, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but in the playoff era, Clemson is a dynasty. What, what is that, though? Since, Why is that separated? Since, since the, because you have to separate things in eras. You just do that. I mean, Well, it's too young to have any dynasties then. I mean, come on, five years in? Well, then you have to define what a dynasty is. Is a dynasty, you have to win ten championships. Does that make no, it a dynasty? No, you don't have to have ten, but more than two. Okay, five? Is, I mean, no. you must have a number no, in you your don't. mind. No, I don't. I don't. Just more than two. I mean, look, Urban Meyer won two at Florida in three years. Was it a dynasty? No, but it Thank wasn't you. during the college football playoff What's era. What's that got to do with anything that it was in the college football playoff era? No. I mean, it's not his fault there was no college football playoff back then. Still won it. Still had to run the table and get there and beat a good team to win it. So um, I'm just saying this. I'm pleasantly surprised that Dabo's not claiming dynasty. I'm a little bit surprised because uh, he could, you know, and – nobody would give him too much grief about that. Um, Saban is now 6-2 and two in national title games. 6-2. and two. I have another uh, dynasty question. Who defines what a dynasty is? Is it coaches, is it teams, or is it fans? Or is it we, us, the media? Does None of the decide? above and all of the above. Okay. We can argue about it. Nobody gets to decide. We're so, not putting so anybody in charge So this thing is so fluid that... And, you could argue that they are a dynasty. I mean, he's he's two and one in title games. He's two and two in the college football playoff. Two and two a dynasty? No, it's not a dynasty. It's hard for me to qualify this as a dynasty of the playoff era, but if it's not a dynasty because it hasn't quite been, I think, long enough yet. It's not more than five years, which I think is probably a pretty good thumbnail or rule of thumb for dynasties in college football. It obviously is a run of greatness, a run of excellence, and it's not slowing down and it's not stopping anytime soon. When you saw the talent last night on that field in Santa Clara, there's no way to believe that this was the last of an era. There's no way to believe that the window is closing. Trevor Lawrence is a true freshman. He's mandated to be there for two more seasons, and he might already be the best quarterback in all of the country. So seeing what we saw, seeing how they load up, seeing how good the recruiting classes have been, seeing how young some of the skill position guys are at Clemson, yeah, this is just an era of excellence, and it will likely extend it to a dynasty because there is Alabama and Clemson or Clemson and Alabama and then everybody else in college football. But not everybody is sending applause and congratulations the way of Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. Rick and John, a 92.9, the game in Atlanta, getting heated over a little something that Clemson's championship head coach had to say about the Tigers right about now. There ain't never been a 15-0 team, and I know we're not supposed to be here. We're just little old Clemson, and I'm not supposed to be here, but we are, and I am. And I, how about them Tigers, man? I'm so proud of our guys, these seniors. We beat Notre Dame and Alabama. We left no doubt. And we walk off this field tonight as the first 15-0 team in college football history. We know, Dabo, we know. When you're the hunted, you don't sell your program. 
You don't have to sell anymore, Dabo. You're good. You're that dude. You've won two out of three. Give me a break with little old Clemson shouldn't be here. Give me all of the breaks, bro. You had all these uh, future uh, first-round picks in the NFL draft come back for their senior seasons uh, to complete the mission and get revenge over Alabama. Don't give me this crap uh, that we're this, the, the little team that could uh, that has risen up and shocked the world. Now, they did shock the world in terms of beating Alabama like that, but if Clemson would have won that game last you predicted 40-39. to 39. Mm-hmm. If Clemson wins that game, I'm not that surprised by that. I predicted 35-28. Whoever has the ball last wins the game. So don't give me that crap, Dabo. And this, this completely like uh, has sidetracked me because there's other stuff I want to talk about we'll get to. And I thought this last night. Mark, thank you for playing the sound. Shut up with that. I don't want to hear it. You're not little old Clemson anymore. You are a giant of college football. So stop selling your program, bro. Are they not killing it and recruiting every year? Of course they are. Okay. D- does he need to go into a, rec- to a recruit's home and go, did you know? Ah, <laughs> oh, shucks. We're the first team ever to go 15 Stop it, Dabo. Just keep winning. Whatever works. I'm not going to be mad at him for doing whatever he did on the stand. It's hokey and corny, dude. It, it, it's no hokier and cornier than Nick Saban crying about every team that he's going to play. Or How up, is that hokey and corny? When he ups says, oh, you know, Tennessee's going to – he does the same thing. That's when annoying, he, but it's not hokey and corny. When he berates reporters because he doesn't like the question that they ask, that to me is hokey and corny. That's a Napoleon complex. When Nick Saban, I don't have a problem with Dabo Sweeney standing up there and doing that. Sell your program. I would have pulled my pants down and we weed all over an Alabama helmet right there. What do I care? What did Pete Futak say to us yesterday? The national perception. We're in the southeast. It's different. The national perception of Clemson was still, it's not Alabama. It's not Notre Dame. It's not Texas. It's not seen the same way. Those kids in that program hear that. They Nobody gave them much of a chance last night. People said, it'll be close, but the freshmen, you know, it's Tua and it's all this and Alabama's going to end up winning. Anybody that knows college football like we know college football is rolling their eyes at little old Clemson. Now, if you're in Wyoming or California or Minnesota and you don't know that much about college football, if you're in the Northeast, John, uh, where they really don't give a damn about college football, they, they may they, up in the Northeast, they may add a line to their, to their headlines. Uh, Clemson crushed Alabama 44-16 to last night, winning the national championship. Did you hear the Yankees might trade Sonny Gray? Okay. If you're that fan base, yeah, that may perk you up a little bit. But, Dabble, I'm a smart college football fan. I'm eye-rolling the hell out of that comment, little old Clemson. Give me a freaking break, dude. If you're Texas Tech, Kansas State, uh, maybe maybe even Oregon at this point, trying to get back. If you say little old Oregon, I- I'd buy that right now. I-, I can't buy little old Clemson. Get out of here with that crap. <laughs> Yeah, look, this is Dabo Shtick here. Little old Clemson this, little old Clemson that. And because of that chip on your shoulder, because of that, we are David, they are Goliath. It has helped his program elevate to heights because they believe they're discounted. They believe they're not part of the upper echelon. They believe they're not one of the prestige programs. And so that has worked to this point in time. But Dabo, at this point, he's probably going to have to retire to that because if Clemson is not, the premier program in all of the country that it's just a smidge behind Alabama. And I would say it's even with Alabama right now, no matter how you grade out Clemson at very worst. So if you've won two championships in three years, and yes, you have not been Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Florida State, and Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, you have not been the power brokers of college football for 70 years. Yeah, you're not that, but you are 
no longer little old Clemson. Give me a freaking break, dude. You are the premier program in college football, and you are recruiting the Dickens out of the Southeast. You're getting five-star kids. You can replace Kelly Bryant with a Trevor Lawrence, who replaces Deshaun Watson. You are at a different level of talent and of execution and of championships and of college football playoff berths. So it might have worked until now, but after this, he's going to have to retire a little old Clemson, quote-unquote. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Again, the talent level for Clemson and Alabama is at such a different level. And that was pointed out on WXYT 97.1, the ticket in Detroit. They're watching Big Ten football, and they're realizing, man, there ain't no football that looks like that in our conference. When you were watching the game yesterday, I was uh, to me, it was watching a different sport than when I watched Michigan and Michigan State play. They have... They do have better athletes, but the athletes that especially Michigan has are not being used. The offensive players are not being used effectively, in my opinion. That's just the Michigan Let's way. Let's just face it. The reality, best-case scenario here is Jim Harbaugh wins the Big Ten, gets them in the playoff, and you know what? They they find some luck against Bama or Clemson in a semifinal like Ohio State did in the one time. They better hope that Alabama or Clemson's not waiting in the championship game, too. The other one. It's um, just that's just a reality. I mean, come on. But I also think, Stoney, to go back to your point, they're, they're, the offensive players just aren't good enough, right? That's I mean, possible, you, yeah. Well, no, I mean, again, this and Harbaugh has been now at Michigan for four years, so it's not like he's got a long track record at Michigan. But which of the skill guys at Michigan over the last 10 years have made any sort of a mark in the NFL? Offensively, Devin like, Funches. Want some Clemson names here to have? Martavis Bryant, and yeah, he's been a train record. In the, no, no, I, I, that's my point. But he's, a, he's, Adam Humphreys, a solid two with uh, no, he's just Tampa saying, Bay. But he's my, just saying Sammy, Michigan doesn't have any. Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, I agree, uh, DeAndre I Hopkins. We're agreeing. We, <laughs> yeah, we exactly. all agree. Is that is that Alab- is that Clemson has better players? I mean, this still goes back to recruiting, and maybe the best offensive players. And I don't think it's just Florida versus Michigan, or you know, the South versus the North, because Ohio State can get some of those players, and they turn into really good NFL players. Maybe it's Harbaugh. Maybe it's the offense he's running. If you're an elite offensive high school player, why would you come to Michigan? Right? Why? Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. That is the essence of college football. Yes, coaching matters. Scheme matters. Last night, you saw Nick Saban and his staff at Alabama outcoached by Clemson. But at the end of the day, Clemson can't win that football game unless they've got talent that matches Alabama at multiple positions. And so Trevor Lawrence, he's the best quarterback on the field. Travis Etienne, Arguably the best running back on the field. The wide receivers for Clemson just as good as Alabama's. The front four for Clemson on defense could all be first-round draft picks. They were missing Dexter Lawrence, 
who could be a top 15 pick in the NFL. And it didn't matter because they still had three other potential NFL players of the defensive line. So that talent does make the world of difference. And it's totally true. You just don't see that type of skill at Michigan and Michigan State or many other programs across the North. You just don't see it. That's talent that you see in Florida, the Southeast, Texas, and California. And that is why no matter where you play, you are always trying to stick your hand to the cookie jar of recruiting in those areas. If you are playing at Oregon, you're still trying to get Southern California kids. If you are playing at Iowa or Missouri, you're trying to get down to Texas and get kids out of Dallas or Houston. If you are playing in Georgia, you are trying to get down to Florida. If you're playing in North Carolina, you're trying to get down to Florida and Georgia. There's no doubt that no matter where you are, the ACC, the Big Ten, anywhere up north, the Big 12, you are looking to those regions to get that skill because there's just not enough depth of that skill and that talent in many other places of the country. On the NFL front, the Dallas Cowboys, looking ahead to their matchup against the Los Angeles Rams of the L.A. Coliseum coming up this weekend in the NFC Divisional Round playoffs. And guess who's happy? Well, of course, Jerry Jones is happy. He's always happy when the Dallas Cowboys are winning, not so much when they are losing, but he wears his heart in his sleeve. And so you know that Jerry can't stop talking about how good them Cowboys look. He joins Sean and RJ on 105.3, the fan in Dallas, fawning over his young quarterback. Jerry, before we preview the Rams, let's just kind of recap uh, Seattle. Uh, do you believe in in clutch? And would you put Dak Prescott in that conversation? All these numbers and advanced statistics have Dak right up there with some of the biggest names that have ever played the position. Do, do you believe in Dak Prescott being at his best in clutch moments? Well, uh, you know, I'm reminded that uh, uh, I was sitting with Michael Irvin right there in the Coliseum three years ago. And uh, Romo, we had lost Romo uh, in Seattle. And uh, uh, Prescott stepped back there and uh, made a back shoulder throw. I think it was to Des Bryant. And we looked at each other, and I said, my goodness, what a what an excellent play by that young quarterback. And uh, Michael looked at me and said, that's not what I'm looking at. Said, look at your bench over there. It said every player out there is about two feet out on the field, cheering and living in his very footsteps. This team has is really behind this guy, and so uh, that that's where it began, right there in that stadium. In my mind, when uh, uh, Dak really showed clutch, because that was clutch. That was a rookie that had had very little notice. Uh, was just working his way into the first stages of the NFL, the Cowboys, and he steps out there with his time to shine in the Coliseum and nails it. Uh, so uh, the answer is I think Dak performs and is at his best when uh, you've really got angst on the line. Jerry, what else is really exciting you about the state of the team, and the way they're playing at this point in the year. Just kind of an overall Cowboy assessment as we get ready for Saturday night of what what some of the things are that have you really excited. Well, I think we all expect these playoff games to be a tight fit. In other words, uh, they're going to be close, uh, usually are, 
uh, defense comes to play at uh, seemingly a higher level, mm. and uh, they seem and are more physical. And uh, we've got a team like that. We've got a very physical team. Uh, we've got one that flies to the ball on defense. We've got one that is uh, it's a crowd on offense. We're, uh, we're operating physically. Uh, our, our running game, Zeke, uh, it, it really includes physicalness. Uh, for that matter, our quarterback does too, back. And, uh, but then we've also uh, put together and gotten more comfortable with it. We've put together some skill, speed, uh, that uh, we've got in our receiving core and uh, come of late. We've uh, hit that middle of the field a little bit. Uh, we had missed uh, Jason Whitten dram- uh, dramatically, uh, but I think we've uh, got some confidence back there over the last few weeks. Uh, I think we're ready to compete. Jerry's talking about that first preseason game for Dak where at the L.A. Coliseum threw for a pair of touchdowns and the legend of Dak was born in the bright sunshine and sunlight of an August day in Los Angeles. Look, Dak was great in that wild card game against the Seattle Seahawks and on third and 14 driving inside the red zone when if he does not convert third and 14, they're going to be forced to kick a field goal while only up three outside of the two-minute warning. So you kick that, you're up six, but that still gives Russell Wilson more than two minutes to come down the field and beat you with a touchdown and an extra point. And Dak converts the third and 14. He doesn't see what he wants from a passing standpoint, then takes it, tucks it, and runs, splits the defenders, topples over himself at the three-yard line, and they punch it in from there. It was a great day for Dak, and he had a great day in the playoff game a couple of years ago in his rookie season when he lost to Aaron Rodgers in a shootout against the Green Bay Packers. But right now, if you're a Cowboys fan, the one thing you feel good about is Zeke and Dak right now are making plays. Add Amari Cooper to that, and you've got some playmakers on offense going into this game when you'll need it because the Rams have a whole host of playmakers, some of the most depth at playmakers in all of the NFL. And finally, the head coaching carousel stops in Green Bay. The first head coach hired of the new season and the offseason here in the NFL is Matt LaFleur by the Green Bay Packers. Matt's only 39 years old. He has never been a head coach before. So why did Green Bay stop and hire him at one of the most desirable openings, if not the most desirable opening at all of the NFL this offseason? Chuck and Winkler and 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee discuss. Let's listen in. I hope the Packers hired Matt LaFleur because they went down, met him, and liked him. I hope it's not a case of we're trying to – you're associated with these guys, so we're hoping that you're one of these guys. Yeah. Like in high school, Chuck, if yep. you if you have a girl that you like and then she doesn't want to give you the business, and then so you date her sister because it's the next best thing when all of a while you wanted the actual girl that you wanted in the first place. I hope they actually are enamored with LaFleur – Maybe a little bit his his pedigree, but I hope they like the guy and not just his friends. Yeah, uh, because um, you know, there's guys who've been hired off on association before and it hasn't quite worked out. We talked about the Bill Belichick tree that coaches have been hired off of that step, uh, both in the college game and the pro game, and it just uh, <clears throat> it wasn't the same. So you're hoping because you're talking about Shanahan and McVay, two of the well respected offensive minds, I think, in the NFL. So they're hoping that, well, hey, LaFleur has been running with these two guys for the last several years. Maybe he's like those two. 
as always with this coaching hire, I'm, in, I'm at the Bucks game last night, and people are asking me, oh, geez, what do you think of this new hire? The problem is with this hire is we don't know because he doesn't have any head coaching experience. We don't know anything about him except for what we read. And how's he going to work with Brett Far- uh, Aaron Rodgers? How's he going to work with the offensive staff? How's he going to is he going to keep uh, you know on, on the defensive staff? How's he going to be as a head coach because he's never been a head coach before? All that we'll know in five years. Look, that is the reason why this could be a slam dunk, but this is also slightly terrifying. Is that you are hoping you're banking on him being the next Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, bright young offensive minds who will be able to tap the most out of Aaron Rodgers in that offense and help kind of revolutionize what Rodgers has been playing in for the last couple of years. At the same time, is there actual evidence that Matt LaFleur can be that guy? He was the OC in Tennessee last year, and the Tennessee Titans were ranked in the mid-20s of most offensive categories. So are they going with the hope that maybe he's Sean McVay by virtue of being buddies with Sean and Shanahan? Or are they actually going on, we really like this guy, and we've got evidence that this guy is the right man for the job? It's a question going into next season, no doubt about it, but the Green Bay Packers act fast and find their man. That's the best of Sports Talk Radio around the dial for Tuesday, January the 8th. The Clemson Tigers are champions with an exclamation point. I'm DA. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 